This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined by my wonderful co-host, the Brie Tucker. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, Hello, hello, everybody. (laughs) We're getting a little loopy. We just had a dance party (laughs) to Cake by the Ocean. I know, right? Like, so. Oh, was it a dance party or was it a DNCE party? (laughs) I see what you did there. I see what you did there. When you get loopy. Good job. Good (laughs) job. <laughs> oh my gosh, it has been a crazy week. It's been crazy. Kids are on spring break here and uh having kids at home while trying to work has been crazy. And and you would think that that we'd have like have this down because you've been doing this for like 7 years now. Yeah, but every Still, time they come home it's like it's, it's something it, new. It's just breaks up the routine. I mean, just to give you an example, like we were going from a podcast interview this morning and and then I went into a meeting for this mastermind I'm in. But at that time, both of our girls are over right now. And they came in the room. They're like, what do we have for lunch? Really, it was not first. What do we have for lunch? It's, hey, it's our first 80 degree degree day in a like all winter. Can we go in the pool? Oh, yeah, because you got your pool redone. We got our pool redone. And so, of course, it's pretty and they want to hop in. And it's like 55 <laughs> degrees in the water right now. I mean, maybe, some people, maybe at best. maybe some people up north will be like, yeah, 80 degrees. Definitely. That's when you get in the pool. <laughs> but here in Arizona, we're like, no, no. solid 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, nothing. Anything under 100, that water is still too cold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So they were coming in and they're like, pool, pool, why not? And I'm like, I'm trying to listen. And then they're like, food. No, we don't want that food. We don't want that food. We don't really know what we want for well, food. Because, well, because to make it even better, my daughter got braces yesterday. Oh, yeah. So her mouth hurts. And she's oh. like, I can't eat it by the way. <laughs> it was just awful. And then the restaurant we decided on, they went downstairs to tell my son and he didn't like that. He started throwing pillows at his sister. <laughs> and so we heard screaming from downstairs. And then the dog comes in. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's just one thing after another. Yeah. It's been it's been a regular three ring circus here so far today. So hey. But that's you know, great. But that's the life yeah. of an entrepreneur and especially those that are working from home. Yes. Right? Working from home. If you're working from home, you probably know know our struggles today. Um, at least they were pretty good natured today. There weren't too many meltdowns. That's a, really the emotionally draining aspect of it is when my kids have meltdowns and I'm oh. trying to get work done. Yeah, screaming and crying and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Flailing. yeah. And then I'm like, good. I hate my life <laughs> when I do that. Yeah, I had some of the drama earlier in the week, but you already heard me talking about that. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it was a better day today. I'll take them. You, you take them as you get them. Am I right, moms? So, right? Yeah, if you have drama, we're right there with you. Oh, my Lord. But um, our guest, Denise Duffield-Thomas, she is also a working mom, which I think, you know what, if we're going to call it working moms, we're going to use working dads as well. Uh, because I think that's right. <laughs> all men who have children are thus, thus from this moment on referred to as working dads. <laughs> I like that. We need to take it back, man. My husband is a working dad. Because, man, you do. Because when you use that term working mom, it like almost assumes that if you're a mom, you shouldn't work. And there's some difference in you being a mom and working. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or just talking about how it makes it sound like there is a different class that you're in. Yeah. And I think that all moms have a hard job, no matter what. Yeah. Well, we are reading uh, The Year of Yes right now by Shonda Rhimes for our uh, balance coaching club and if you haven't heard us talk about balance before we have a coaching program for moms and it's like the most fun thing ever Uh, and we have a monthly book club as part of it but uh, something that Shonda Rhimes mentions in year of yes which is also phenomenal is that she refers to moms that like mom is not a job mom is who you are mom is your identity like Mm -hmm. you'll never stop being a mom you could quit your job like that you work at but you'll never stop being a mom so she gets a she she takes offense at being told that like motherhood's a job because it's so much more than that. And I agree. It's so much more than that. Oh, yeah, for no. sure. It is one of those things that you think that it's going to be so easy yeah. until you become one. Yeah. And then, and then you start to get a handle on what's happening. You start to get your routines down and then bam, they get older. <laughs> all new struggles, you know, I'm, all new routines. I'm actually enjoying the older kids more than I ever did well, the baby years. You were sleep deprived through the baby years. I mean, we I, are deprived of showers, basic hygiene, our food choices, and sleep a lot. I mean, in many countries, that is torture. Yes. <laughs> Early but, motherhood is torture. But okay, so I, I might get a lot of emails for this one, but like when they're baby and toddlers, you just were not as interesting to me. I think it depends on your interests. So like yeah. we talked about that, how mine is early childhood, mm-hmm. yours is older, like slightly older, like fifth grade was your yes. sweet spot, right? So when my kids were under five, while I was exhausted and tired, I still loved that aspect of it. Mm. I have struggled more to connect as they've gotten older. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did not love that aspect of it. I love the the age they're at now and I like to probe them, which you probably saw me doing at lunch because I was able to like just get them. See, I can't do that. You, so, and you know that. We, I, we have these conversations every morning. We were having this discussion at lunch and both of our daughters are in seventh grade. And we, oh, Brie and I learned a new vocabulary word. It's called, what was it called? Zoot? Zoot. Zoot. I think I it's think. called Zoot. 
And we're like, wait, what's <laughs> we that? We already forgot it. <laughs> I think it's called zoot, zooted. I don't know. It means high. And so I really wanted to like know how much more they knew. <laughs> oh, that's what you were trying to do. That's I was, what I was doing. <laughs> I'm like, I just wanted to know them questions about this. Can we just, you're like, the subject? like let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> and it's because like, they're talking about a video they saw. I'm like, oh yeah, someone was so zooted or something. And we're like, what suit? She's like, oh, it's high. I'm like, high on what? <laughs> and then and then that was funny because they both had a blank look. They, they had were no like, idea. We're like, no. I don't know. Because <laughs> I was like, I just wanted to know how much they knew. <laughs> and obviously, it was just high. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think the response I got on drugs. <laughs> As opposed to markers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was actually going if they knew like the specific types of drugs and how much their knowledge was in that area, which oh. I was thankful to hear that it was not much. But yeah. Hopefully Anyways. You didn't encourage any research. <laughs> I did not encourage research. <laughs> I said hopefully you didn't. <laughs> okay. Even okay. If, they, if they're researching on Google, I'm fine with that and then coming for to questions. But yeah. Yeah. I find them fascinating. They're just fascinating. And you know who else is fascinating? Denise. Denise Denise is fascinating. (laughs) And I have to also, yes, Denise is amazing. I was going to say, I also want to throw out like Denise's book was our book in our book club last month. Yeah. And it was Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. Which is a phenomenal book. Yes, it is. And she reclaims the word bitch. So if you are like at all thinking like that's an offensive title, it's really reclaiming that and not having women um, be like... Not I don't know, demean people, by yeah, it. Yeah, not letting people uh, demean us use that word as an insult. Yeah. We take it back. Yes, we take we it back. We use the power and we decide when and how it's going to be used. So Denise Duffield Thomas, she is a money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps women charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. Her book, Lucky Bitch and Get Rich Lucky Bitch and Chillpreneur, give a fresh and funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without burnout. And her money boot camp has helped over 6,000 students from all around the world. She is a lazy introvert, something I could totally get behind, <laughs> a Hay House author, and an unbusy mother of three. <laughs> she owns a rose farm, which I, I was like, oh, a rose, rose farm. And oh. lives by the beach in sunny Australia. By the way, like her interview, we we were so unused to doing an interview at night because we had to coordinate it with Australian time zones. But she she looked all bright and sunny and I was here like with the Queen Bohemian Rhapsody lighting because I have no lighting in my office. (laughs) So we hope you enjoy our interview with Denise. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. 
And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool aunt that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This episode is brought to you by Eat at Home Meal Plans. Oh my gosh, if dinner is causing you so much stress like it was me, I heartily recommend eat at home meal plans. I started using them two years ago. And what happens is you get to choose a meal plan each week. You get to choose from traditional or slow cooker, whole food or flour free, sugar free. They're all included. And it gives you the list of meals to eat. It gives you a grocery list. I just used to print out the grocery list and give it to my husband and he'd do the shopping. And all the meals are really easy. Like I just started one downstairs today, which is like a lemon chicken and sauerkraut, which took me like 10 minutes to put in the crock pot. And now we're going have dinner tonight. So go try eat at home meal plans. You can sign up at noguiltmom.com backslash eat dash at dash home. And you also get 25% off when you use the discount code noguiltmom, all one word. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast, Denise. We are so excited to have you here. I'm excited. And you know what? I love podcasts with two hosts. I think it is so much fun. And um, I know we're going to have a good chat today. It, it is fun. We get to like banter off each other. And I feel like we feed we feed each other more. And then it feels like we're just a group of like friends hanging out and like chatting. Yes, I love it. Like Joanne and I have been best friends for years. So it's just, it's the best thing you can do doing a podcast with one of your best friends and getting to talk to amazing people from all 
all over the world. It's it's fantabulous. So <laughs> Denise, I was saying before, like I found you through just Audible. It, your book was recommended, Get Rich Lucky Bitch. And I I listened to it. I devoured it. We I, I loved it so much that our, our membership community of moms, we did it as a book club. And it just, you have such great advice for conquering like your money blocks and things holding you back. So for those of our audience who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Of course. So first of all, I just want to say how surreal that is that, uh, that I wrote a book and that the technology allowed it to go out to people on the other side of the world. And then you read it. And I just want to say it because it is so weird. And it's such an amazing time for women where we can use our creativity and we're supported by the technology. Now, you know, I used to write little stories for my friends and family on my typewriter. And, you know, like we just live in this world where we can podcast from home. Like, how amazing is this? It's amazing. So I'm a, an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a money coach for, for mostly for women. And what that means is I'm not a financial advisor. I don't help people with their investments. I help people with their mindset around money. So dealing with their fears and beliefs and stories that hold them back from just having a joyful relationship with money so they can be, in, be do, and have everything that they want. And I have a money boot camp. Where with people from all around the world, I think over 7,000 now. And I live in a smallish town in Australia, but I run this global business thanks to the power of technology. So as I said, I'm so grateful that for women, we have all of these opportunities. And for mothers, we have these opportunities to live our business dreams, be able to help people, be able to live creative lives and have the technology to support us. So I'm super grateful. You're totally right on that because I, I feel the same way about technology. Like I used to be a teacher. And I knew that I could not, um, I did not want to have two kids at home and have the job in the classroom and like have to do sub plans and whatever. And the technology has given me a way to connect with people and have a business where I could never have dreamed this possible like 10 years ago. And like things have just moved so fast. So it's, did you it's manifest amazing. the pandemic? Joanne? <laughs> You know how I feel like we're all kind of saying, you know, I wish we had a bit more, we could slow down a little bit, or some people were wishing to work from home. And, um, you know, it's obviously there's been so much tragedy around it. And the only real silver lining is that so many people have looked for uh, different ways of doing their work, doing their business. And, you know, we can't ever go back from that. We, we know now, and even just friendships that people have created online because they're online all the time now, you know, there are some tiny blessings. And I know you, America in particular has been hit one of the hardest. So yeah, thank God we've got this technology. Imagine back when the f- the big pandemic happened, you know, a hundred years ago, we would have just been like, great, I guess, what do we do? Not many options there. So in your book and talking about like manifesting, you consider yourself a very lucky person, like, and have just some crazy stories around your luck. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know what? I actually never considered myself a lucky person, but I was raised by a mom who just, she would always just say, you know, lucky things are going to happen. And and they would like she would win money on the um, we call them poker machines in Australia. But you know, like the slot machines, I think you guys call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like she would, you know, she'd be down to her last dollar and she would win $5,000 on the slot machine or she oh would play gosh. bingo. And, and so we live this kind of very feast or famine life in lots of ways. But she was always convinced that she was a very lucky person that good things were going to happen to her. And they often did and they still do actually. 
but I didn't consider myself lucky at all. But I I read a book in my 20s, early 20s, called The Luck Factor by Richard Wiseman, I think his name is. And it talked about the trait of lucky people versus unlucky people. And the only thing I remember from the book is that he invited people to come to do it a study on and so he was like are you a lucky person are you an unlucky person and then the researchers hid money outside of the the center to see who would find the money if anyone would find the money and overwhelmingly people who self-identified as lucky found the money that was still there and the unlucky people didn't seem to see it and so we broke it down into a few traits and it was like you believe that good things happen to you you look for opportunities you take it you know you actually take action on opportunities and you build and like you build your own opportunities through networking and and things like that and so I was like well okay if that's how lucky people naturally are could I learn some of this like could I reverse engineer it and learn to be a lucky person and so I did this experiment for a year and really crazy things did happen I was winning scholarship I won a life coaching scholarship I would win the lucky door prize at every event I went to and um, I played bingo for the first time in my life I would win at bingo and then uh, I, I won this trip to go all around the world all expenses paid for six months. And so I talk about this in my in my book, Lucky Bitch, about how it wasn't really luck. Like some of it was, you can't, you know, reverse engineer winning at bingo, for example, but I was putting myself into opportunities where I would have a greater chance of good things happening to me. And when I decided that I was going to pretend to be a lucky person, it does something in your brain where you go, well, I'll put myself forward to that, for that, or I won't give up because it's meant to be. And so anyway, that's what, um, that's what my first book, Lucky Bitch is all about is how you can reverse engineer and be a quote unquote lucky person. Oh, so what I hear you're saying is that it's not really luck so much as it is believing that the good things will happen. So you put yourself in those situations and then it's more likely to happen. And you're more inclined to take action on it. I could totally get behind that. Yes, because sometimes like luck, you're like, I have no control over luck. But when you say it that way, I'm like, I think I could do that. I, I love that. I think it I think it just builds on that whole optimistic, like you, you have that optimistic mindset. I'm going to make good things happen. I, I've had a couple of incidents in my life where I do believe that I manifested something very positive, that it happened because I believe. So I, I do believe very much in this whole, you put good vibes out there, you, you let the universe know that you're open to it, that good things can come back your way. And you know, this is something that, we can all teach our kids, but it starts with something that every single mom I've ever met does this one thing that really sabotages their okay. kids. Do you want to hear what it is? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Every single ba- birthday party you've ever been to in your life, they say, blow out the candles, make a wish, but don't tell anyone or it won't come true. Don't tell anyone, but it won't come true. So when I just said to you before, I won six months all expense paid travel around the world. It's like, oh yeah, cool. She must have done something. I set an intention that I wanted to go traveling around the world. I wanted to go for six months. I wanted to find someone to pay me to do it. I told all of my friends about that goal, every single one of my friends. And all of my friends were like, "Mm, okay. But one of my friends, it's stuck in her brain. And so she saw an advertisement for a competition, a travel competition, and she sent it to me. That was the only way I found out about that competition because I told her my dream. And so we've got to stop telling kids this because when you tell people your dream when you enroll them in your dream you're setting up all of these connections where you're increasing your chances of 
opportunity because how how are people supposed to know to send you that dream job to think of you when they see an unbelievable opportunity and I didn't realize how deeply embedded this was into our lives until I had my own kids and I said it to them and then I went oh wait it back in no and so I say hey in our family we do tell each other our dreams and so we can all stop doing that from now from day one <laughs> yeah I think right there not only about the importance of putting the out in the universe I think that that's a really great point of connection we share our dreams we talk about everything in the family that that's amazing absolutely I like that but it's like you're right it's one of those things like we're told not to talk about we're not to- we're told not to talk about our dreams and we're also told not to talk about money and mm-hmm. yep it becomes like those two issues and that's why when I was reading uh, get rich lucky bitch and you were identifying these money blocks that people have like honestly when I first started I'm like I don't have money blocks like what is it but then when you went into it I'm like oh I have all the money blocks <laughs> so can you share <laughs> some of those money blocks are Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, 
possibility and joy? You know, there are so, so many. And like every week I come up with new like layers or new nuances to different things. But there's there's one that we all have that's quite universal. And it is the concept that you have to work really hard to make money, really hard. And, you know, people have different mottos in their family of like money doesn't grow on trees or another day, another dollar. And what I love about talking to people from all around the world is that different countries, different cities often have their own uh, relationship with like work ethic and money and all that kind of stuff. But what I find too is that it's just one of those things, again, that comes out of our mouth for our kids. We say to them, hey, if you work hard, you can achieve anything. Mm -hmm. And it just still sets up that thing of like, well, it can't be easy. It can't be fun. It can't be enjoyable. You have to work hard. So I've even shifted the way I've said that with my kids because Willow will say, well, I want to be a pop star like Jojo Siwa. And I I was like, well, you have to. And And I was like, you know what, Willow, if you have a dream and you're persistent, you can achieve anything you want. Because I just, I just want to even take out that like work hard thing out of my vocabulary because it's not about working hard, but you can't deny you have to be persistent if you want to achieve your dreams. And so it's really fun to look at what everyone's relationship is to working hard. Your parents might have had to have multiple jobs. Your parents might have had a job that they didn't like and they had to go to, or they worked long hours or they build long hours. And nowadays, technology means that we can make money not from doing an hour, earning an hour. We can make money from our creativity, from our imagination, from our from the technology. We can, you know, have clients on the other side of the world. We can work from home. There's so many opportunities, but most of us grew up in a world where it wasn't like that. And so we just haven't quite redefined that for ourselves. But if you ask kids, they'd be like, well, I want to open toys on YouTube. <laughs> I want to play, I want to play Minecraft. <laughs> they, do. Like they, they have a completely different thing because they've seen more examples of what it's like to earn money like in a playful sense. And maybe it's swung a little bit too far sometimes for, for them. They just think... <laughs> Like with Willow, she's like, I just want to be like Jojo. And I'm like, well, and then this week um, it was really rainy. And she was like, I don't want to go to ballet. It's too rainy. And I was like, would Jojo Siwa skip a rehearsal? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) So I think the question for our generation is how do we instill a work ethic in our kids, but without giving them this money block that we have that's based on old, outdated ways of working? Yeah. And like, I think work harder too. It works in the opposite direction where it could create burnout. Like when you're working hard and like you're exhausting yourself, but you're not getting the results you want. Sometimes the inner monologue is like, oh, I just need to work harder, but that's not it. That's not it at all. And, uh, some, it's like sometimes you just need a mind shift. Like I remember in teaching, we were trying to do all the things. And one of my co-teachers was like, you know what? We're doing this the wrong way. We need to stop working harder. We need to work smarter. And ever since like I've been in out of the classroom, I've been like, okay, work smarter. But yeah, work harder. Definitely. Definitely. I could see that as a money block. What's a, what's another money block that many people have? So I see this a lot in women in particular, and it's this feeling that I can help people or make money, but I can't do both. They have to be mutually exclusive. So it's like, well, if I have a job that helps people, I can't charge for it or it's greedy or it somehow it means that I don't really care or whatever. And sometimes that gets reflected back. You know, people say, well, if you really cared about this, you wouldn't charge for it. And in the meantime, you know, you're burning yourself out trying to do it. And so this comes up, I think it comes up a lot for mums, a lot for women. But then when I look at different professions, so if you're in a teaching profession, if you're in a transformation 
kind of profession, if you're in a health profession, it can really bring up that feeling of, oh, I'm not allowed to charge. And I actually saw this today. There's someone who was on my Instagram and she's a sex therapist. And it's like, that's a, such an important job, you know, it's so important. And for couples, you know, and she was like, I just feel so bad because people need me so much. And it's like, well, don't assume that people, one, don't want to pay and can't pay for it. And when you charge well for what you do, it buys back some time and energy. And then you could create a book version to help so many people around the world. You could create um, a, a course, an online course for people who need that. Or you could you could say, you know what, I'll see five pro bono clients a month. But you can't do that when you're undercharging everybody and burning yourself out. I also think the help people make money thing, it's really about feeling like you have to choose. And this is where mums come in, right? It's like, I could make money or I could be a good mum, but I can't be both. I could make money and have been have love, but I can't have both. And then you see people sabotage themselves. They, they'll their business will start to do really well, and you know they their relationship breaks down. So they go see you know, or they feel like they're going to be a bad mom. And so they sabotage their business. So it's it's really this thinking of binary choice. I can't help people and make money. That would just be greedy or that would be something, I don't know, bad, unethical. It's a hard, it's a hard, hard thing, particularly in, I mean, I started in the world of like mom bloggers and that is very pervasive there where you don't want to charge for anything because you think that you'll look greedy or you'll look like that you you're not selfless you're not like you don't care you don't care mm-hmm. about people yeah and so that's a huge hurdle huge hurdle and i know brie Gosh, brie yeah. you have a story about the undercharging and oh well yeah i was gonna say you're bringing up a lot here there was a point in time where i had my own business and i felt so guilty so guilty for charging people um and the business did not do well it did not feed I I could never manage to bring in enough money to keep it going because, and I did have that. People would constantly come to me and be like, well, if you really cared about helping parents, you wouldn't be charging me for this. And I'm like, I still got to feed my kids. I still got to like take care of things too. So you're right. I, the whole time you're talking, I'm just sitting here shaking my head going, I 100% feel that guilt. And I know that not valuing ourselves enough is a huge thing that, that moms do. We underestimate our value on so many levels. It's scary. You know, I saw this a lot in the mum blog world, especially when, you know, mummy blogs were really getting big. And I saw people who, it just started out as a casual thing. And then suddenly it's gotten bigger and bigger where they have to pay moderators or they've got more expenses to run this business. And so they say something like, hey guys, I've got this like $10 thing and their audience turned on them and it was vicious to watch. And so I think it's okay, like as a business to to offer things right from the start, because if you build an audience where people don't value you and they're just freebie chasers, they will absolutely, even if it was a dollar, they will, they would turn on people and it was really horrible to watch. Mm-hmm. I've I've had friends who have gone through that exact thing and it is horrible to watch. So you you talked about two money blocks, the working hard and then the that you can't help people and make money at the same time. Um what is one one last money block that we could tell people about? Okay, so the overarching thing is more money, more problem. And everyone's got their own version of what this is. So it's that thing that you worry about like before you go to bed when you can't sleep or in those moments where you just think, oh, I would love to make more money, but, and I would love to hear what it comes up for you guys. So I'll tell, share a couple for me. One, I was like, 
people won't like me. If I make too much money, I won't be likable. I won't be down to earth anymore. I'll lose my resilience and my, you know, humility. The other one for me, um, which is funny because I'm looking out the ocean. I was like, I can't get too rich because if I have a big house by the ocean, there'll be a tsunami. <laughs> and, and it was just one <laughs> like, of those things. Bad things happening. <laughs> yes. And yeah. so everyone's got their own thing of like, my kids will be spoiled or my relationship will break down or something. And so it's that feeling of like, I want it, but I also, I'm, I don't want all the bad stuff that I think is going to come with that. So I would love mm-hmm. to hear an example from each of you of where you think that more money, more problems comes in. Oh, I'll just throw it there. Like I daydream all the time about winning the lottery. And then when I'm daydreaming about winning the lottery, my money is gone in a second. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'd want to buy a house for myself. And then, Oh, I'd want to buy this for my sisters. And I would want to do this for my dad and my mom. And Oh, I'd want to do this for my kids. And all of a sudden I have no money left. And it's just, it's all my imagination too. It's all, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you get it. And you spend all your imagination. <laughs> Joanne knows me. This is how I work. Like everything, like my kids mess up on like one thing and all of a sudden they're, it's 20 years later and they're living in a van down by the river. Like I, I, I it goes Do you get angry at the, the like the hypothetical people asking you for money? Do you get I angry do. about it? Yeah. I do. <laughs> you're like I bought my sister a house and she wasn't even grateful and your sister's like sitting there going what are you talking about (laughs) and then the other sister wants to know where her house is is. that's a lot with with me like I just I feel like if I had if I got more money people would think I didn't deserve it that it would have been like oh you didn't you didn't work hard for that like I mean it was just luck that you got that but not having luck is a good thing being like oh you know you didn't deserve it I don't know I don't know I get it or if I'm normal about that no I think that's a I think that's an interesting one I mean some other ones are like it will be a fluke or I won't be able to stay in it or I'll have to pay lots of taxes or I have all those as well have my (laughs) yeah I'll lose all my friends or Mm -hmm. it's all this stuff and so the thing though I think is good about this is that we have amazing imagination and if we can just channel that imagination into creativity instead of pre-worrying about things and you can just redirect your thoughts to it and my daughter she's a bit of a worrier as well and she would she would think about things and I, I would say to her hey look every time you have that thought say to your brain that would be an amazing book you know how creative that would be an amazing tv show but not have to internalize it of like oh that's going to happen to me or that's you know that will happen if i even and because it's not even about when that will happen it's like if i even just send out one invoice before i know it oprah will be calling me and i'll have to get up at 3 30 in the morning to go and be on the oprah show and then she's going to hate me because i'll screw it up and you know it's like just do the one thing don't let it spiral into this more money more problems like creative thing just go wow you're so creative that's amazing and park it that's funny if oprah called me and wanted me to get up at 3 30 i'd be like yes oprah i'll be there <laughs> i no do problem. it for one day but every day, <laughs> every day. <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> There's like, there's just so, so many blocks, so many money blocks holding back and so much stuff. Like I, I t- recommend your book highly uh, because you also have a money block in there about going back to your childhood and figuring out like the money messages that you got in your childhood. And when I did that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like so many of these things about like not wanting to buy expensive items because they're like a ripoff and not worth it. That is. I get hit with all the time by myself and it stemmed from there. So totally recommend your book. Go out and get Get Rich Lucky Bitch. And we ask this of everyone. What is one hack, your favorite hack to make kids more self-sufficient? 
That is such a good question. It is benign neglect. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually something that we do uh, suggest. (laughs) Stay fair parenting style. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm not going to do that. Like, and I think my inspiration behind this, my grandfather was just like, he would just come home and he'd be like, it's my TV time now. Like, I'm not going to do squat. And so he's my inspiration. (laughs) I just outsource everything. And then I'm just like, I'm not going to do that. I just say that all the time. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I think that's a great like boundary setting thing too, because not many people do that. And just having that example for you. I mean, gosh, I want to channel you when I am asked to do something. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I I just want to practice that. We could both work a little more on the whole like, no, done, done. Yeah. And like my hubby sometimes looks at me because he probably does a bit too much for the kids and he'll just go, what? And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and he's so, ah! Because his mum was the opposite. His mum did everything for them. And, you know, she's kept every piece of paper they've ever written on and everything, you know. And and so when he was married to me and he, I was just like, I'm not going to do that. He was just like, oh, at first. <laughs> and now I'm the same with the kids. I'm like, you can figure it out, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a great way, I think, to make kids self-sufficient, for sure. Well, this has been a blast, Denise. Thank you so much for joining us and making it work with our time differences. What a pleasure. I hope you can have me back because there's so many things we can talk about. Like, I honestly think we could have a two-day conference just on talking about allowance and like what that brought up for all of us. (laughs) Like, the money blocks we have around getting allowance or not getting allowance as a kid, we could just talk about solely on that so you know there's so many pieces and it's an ongoing process but I hope it it's opened up some things for people to listen to about like there's a lot of complex stories and situations that have happened to you and you just have to look at them all and connect the dots and it's an ongoing process that I think is really fun so hopefully other people think it's fun too for sure thank you so much for coming on we'll talk to you later bye absolutely loved Denise. She was so much fun. And it sounds like she's uh, up to doing a few more episodes. too. I know. I love it. I've never actually had anybody like pitch in an episode, but that was phenomenal. Like I can't wait to talk about allowances. Yes, we we are definitely going to bring her back for allowances. So until next time, remember the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.